To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Simon Barnett and James Daniels Afternoons podcast from Newstalk ZB. Nathan Wallace is a neuroscience educator and sought-after speaker on all things to do with the developing brain. He joins us regularly and is back with us now. And uh, hi, Nathan. G'day, James. G'day, Tyler. How are you guys? Hey, Nathan. We're great. Good, mate. Now, look, we've got got a lot of questions that have uh, come through on text, and we'll get straight into it. Now, Nathan... We were talking about this yesterday on the show, but and this text kind of alludes to uh, to the topic as well. Hi, Nathan. Okay. My four-year-old daughter has picked up some pretty serious swear words from somewhere and is constantly <laughs> saying them in public. She still thinks it's a game, even though we've told her off multiple times. What can we do to stop her saying these naughty words? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a hard one. There's no easy answer to that, actually. That's you know, a really difficult question. Um, I mean, you want to probably pay as little attention to it as possible. Mm. Um, which can be difficult to do, but, um, you know, if they don't think you understand what they're saying and they don't get a rise out of you, then they, uh, they don't tend to do it as often. But once she's worked out that she's already got a rise from people and that it gets a reaction, it's just a cause and effect thing, it'll be hard to undo that now. So I think maybe it's got to, you've got to in some way make it unrewardable for her. So, um, you know, I'm trying to think on my feet, but... It, but if whenever she says something like that, then we stop what we're doing and you take her out of the room and you go and sit on her bed with her and talk to her about um, nice ways that we talk to other people. So it's mm. boring. She wanted to carry on with what she was doing, but she gets interrupted. You don't have to get angry with her or anything, but just take her aside and take her out of the room and take her away from the farm and sit her down um, and yeah, talk again about how we have to talk really nicely to each other and there's some words mm. that we don't use. It's really just because she'll get so bored with being interrupted all the time and taken to her room that um, you know, she'll, she's likely to stop. Um, right. yeah, I mean, you have to be very contextual, you know, contextual because she could then start using it to interrupt what you're doing and get one-on-one time with you to take her to her room. So you've got to use your um, intuition about what it is that she is trying to do and just make it not successful for her. If she's right. doing it to get a rise, then make sure she doesn't get a rise, get the opposite reaction, but everything dulls mm. down. Is that quite common, What you know, particularly at that age, four and under, is that commonly yeah. why children are using those words, is they know it's a bit taboo, they know they're going to get some attention when they say those words? Yeah, they don't have the empathy yet to understand how offensive it might be to other people. They just sort mm. of see that people become animated and the emotional energy rises and they live in their emotional brain. So, you know, you get a little charge out of it because yeah, the atmosphere in the room changes when you say a swear word, you know, especially okay. when you're a child and you're not supposed to. <laughs> you know, you get a rise. Okay. Hey, uh, Dan has texted and says, uh, I've got two girls aged five and nine. They're confident and social, but when they're presented with a hard situation, like a new sport or a new teacher, they tend to fall apart. How do we build their resilience? Asks oh, that's an excellent Dan. question. Mm. Hmm. It, is. Um, it might be counterintuitive, actually. You let them take longer for the transition. So when they're going to do something new, we know that they don't transition well. They're usually confident. So they've got good social skills and things. It's really just transitioning that's the problem, transitioning into something new, and that's scary. So you actually put more supports around them for it. You know, um, if they're going along to play a new sport, you fill them up with messages of, look, just getting there on the first day is all you really need to achieve. You know, don't put yourself under any 
pressure, you know, take a while to settle in, um, take them for a, you know, dad date or something beforehand so they go to Wendy's and have an ice cream with you and you sit for half an hour and chill out because the more relaxed you are when you start that new thing, the less likely you are to mount down. You just really want to do things to calm them down and support them through the transition. Let them know it. it's going to be difficult the first few times, but talk about times you've done it before and how difficult it was, but how you got through it and what were some of the things that you used to get through it. Um, and the last thing you want to do is just say, oh, don't be silly, come on, right, and push them into it because they're likely to have a worse time. And so they're less, you know, less likely to want to take a risk in the future. So give them time. Yeah. Just, yeah, slow down the transition and try and make it as, as positive and then make them feel so supported as possible. And that'll Good probably ass. actually ultimately speed it up. Go ahead, Francis. Yes, hi. hi, thank you for being available. Um, we've good. got a nine-year-old grandson who it's taken us a long time to get diagnosed as ADHD and um, dyslexic. We had to pay right. privately for an educational psychologist. He went through the audio processing disorder, SALT, things like that. That's about yep. $6,000. And he's had an RTLBT tutor for the last 18 months, and that's $5,000. And I'm thinking, how do, you know, when do we stop? And it was recommended that there's a gentleman that is in Auckland. He does neurofeedback interactive metronome. And that would be right up your alley. So, and it's by including beneficial neuroplastic brain changes. And I'm thinking, would this benefit this little boy? Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because I don't know the exact practitioner you're talking about. I know the methods you're talking about, and I do like the method. It's based on, so, you know, reasonably sound science. Um, like anything, you can get charlatans operating it and just out to make a buck. Um, so it's always worth a little bit of investigation and talk to past clients that he's been to. But overall, the procedure is a worthwhile one. I hear your pain, though, because you're like, when do you stop? But just pouring in stuff. But I think that might be one yeah. of the more useful things to do, actually, because um, you do have lots of brain plasticity. We're living in the age of understanding that we're living in the you know the age of brain plasticity i think um yeah it's, and it's, yeah it's an interesting thing and this gentleman has a lot of letters after his name and has been doing it for 25 yep. years and he's been recommended by other people so we're going right. to go down that road but I'm i think it'll be free for you francis yeah I think um, my advice overall would be in that situation, because you're right, you can keep doing specialist things all the time, and they are usually worth it if it's not, you know, too much on them. I mean, it's a lot of money you're spending, but yeah, every family has to work out for themselves how much they can afford. But if you can afford it, things like that can be really useful. Um, but overall, it's, to me, it's really what school they go to. Really? An overall yeah. good school community where the whole community is geared towards inclusion and including everybody, and there's a good social-emotional atmosphere I mean, that's just as therapeutic as having a, um, you know, an ed psych sometimes. Mm, um, so, okay. yeah, I think take the time to choose the right school for them. You know, that's a sort of a, I mean, I, I shift into whole areas just for the school. <laughs> like, you know, it's, um, you know, yeah, that's, okay. I think that's what makes the biggest difference. Yeah. Good luck, Francis. Yeah, thanks very much, Francis. You're a great grandmother. Yeah. Uh, text here, Nathan mm. says, hi, um, how to handle a two-year-old? I'm a father to a beautiful girl, uh, but she is at that stage now where she doesn't listen. I get frustrated where I end up raising my voice, which I don't like. What tips right. do you have from Rich? Yeah, I mean, you're onto it. Your intuition's right. Raising your voice does absolutely nothing. You know, we should be able to outsmart a two-year-old. I can say that because I'm now a grandparent. So, you know, <laughs> I, like, I yelled at my own children, but I never yell at my two-year-old grandchild. Um, and really what a, a grandparent learns is that that anger never helps. So what I'd say is 
stop telling her what not to do. 25% of your brain is called the arthroscope, the parietal lobe, and it visualizes all language spoken to you. So when you say, don't stand on the chair, 25% of their brain has to put you standing on the chair, the very behavior you don't want them to do. So it really mm. makes no sense to tell a human what not to do because 25% of their brain pitches that behavior. So turn it around and always tell her what to do. You know, so you just, instead of saying no running inside, you say walking inside. Instead of saying no hitting, you say use gentle hands. Um, their behavior can be a whole lot of a reflection of our language. Kids come from a house where you're going, no running, no fighting, no spitting. It's generally mm. full of running, fighting, and spitting because that's what you're giving language to all the time. So that's something you can do because it's quite hard to change someone else's behavior. but relatively easy to change your own. <laughs> so if you change your own and then you start wording, you know, doing that pro-social behavior guidance, telling her what to do instead of what not to do, um, you know, that can work. That can help to calm things down. The other thing is that being two is a very emotional time. So if you don't speak to her emotions, she doesn't feel like you're listening to her. And if she doesn't feel like you're listening to her, she's not so inclined to listen to you. So, um, so you know, children do as you do, not as you say. So if you want a good listener, you have to be a good listener. So um, use validation, which means you reflect back the emotion behind what she's feeling before you tell her what to do. So mm, really good. To, you know, put your plate on the bench. And you go, yeah, I know, you're, I know it's really frustrated. I know you're feeling a bit angry, but you need to put your plate on the bench. Just by naming their emotion first, that increases your chances as well to the following instruction, you know, tenfold. Okay. Yeah, great. All right. Uh, Sean has called us. Uh, Nathan, go ahead, Sean. Yeah, hi, Nathan. Hey, um, yeah. just ringing up. I've got a grandchild. He's three and a half, and he's been absolutely marvellous up until this stage, but he's now got yep. a six-month-old sister in the family. And he's okay. reacting quite negatively. Okay. You're not the first one that wrote to me, are you, Sean? <laughs> yeah. I had another Sean. I, I am, actually, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> I, I answered your email last night. So you, so you gotta, you'll find a detailed I response read- coming in the mail soon. Um, yeah, essentially what I've said in that email is to say um, that probably the parents, with the best of intentions, have set it up that when the baby's in bed, they give the three-year-old one-on-one time. And what that does is yeah. sets it up for him that he lives in a world where life's much better when that baby's not around. So it sets him up not to yeah. like the baby. Whereas what I recommend it to do is to get the parents, meet the baby's needs, have the baby fed and changed, but have the baby in your arms and then give the three-year-old the one-on-one time and do the puzzles and stuff with the baby there. Um, but letting him be the centre of attention, the three-year-old. And then when the yeah. baby goes to bed, then you give the, the three-year-old some blocks and the, some books and you say, you have to play by yourself now because mum and dad are resting. And that's yep. when you take, you know, when you have to supervise the child, obviously, but you can lie down on the couch and read a book while he plays with his blocks and not be interesting. If you're not interesting when the baby's not there, you are interesting when the baby's there, it gets him to start yep. to go, oh, no, I like it when this baby's around. And so many parents just inadvertently, they think they're doing the right thing by trying to give the one, the, you know, the three-year-old the one-on-one time that he's missing out on by giving them all this lavish attention when the baby's in bed and it just often sets it up to be the exact opposite to what they want. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. All right, and Sean. Thank you very much for the reply in the email too, Nathan. Much appreciated. Cheers, <laughs> Good on you, man. Yeah, nice one, Sean. Uh, text here, Nathan, says, Hi, how come our son is perfect for his grandpa but not for his mum and nan? Anything to do with an only child and solo parent frustrating sometimes? Any advice? <laughs> no, that's, that's every child in the world. <laughs> you, know, um, you, know, <laughs> you know, of course they're better for their grandparents. Um, the parent probably doesn't want to hear this, but grandparents are way better at it. You know, we've oh. already raised children, and we've already fallen into those traps, and we've already spent most of our time angry and realised that got us nowhere. So we're just calmer and more patient and more supportive, and we listen to them better. So therefore, they listen to us. They feel like they don't have to misbehave. 
because we're already listening and preempting their needs. I know that's not what you want to hear, though. <laughs> you know, because you can't <laughs> be your grandparent when you are a parent, and it's annoying that he's so good for him. But it's not really something that's happening in the kids' head. It's something that's happening. You know, he's responding to the relationship that's presented to him, like all children do. Okay. And he's probably being responding to a relationship from a grandparent that is of a higher quality than the relationship from parents who tend to bark orders. I mean, imagine if you had a friend that said, get your shoes, go and wash your hands, but put your jacket on. You know, um, we talk like that to our kids all the time, but you wouldn't want a friend around that talk much like that. Whereas grandparents don't tend to do that. You know, they're like, oh, honey, we need to get your shoes. Do you want granddad to come and help you? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. So yeah. they just respond differently. So I would say try and copy granddad. See how granddad interacts and then try and do that. But otherwise, just don't feel bad about it. It's pretty normal. You know, like, it's all, you know. And that common thing that, you know, he was probably a way better grandfather than he was father. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Hey, hey Nathan, we've got a, a, a quick, uh, we've, we haven't got much time left, but uh, just quickly, yeah. how do I get my two-year-old to brush his teeth? He absolutely refuses all right. it. Yeah, yeah, this is a good one. I'm working with Grin to do this nationwide Grin thing for exactly that, to establish kids' good brushing habits, because oral health is so much connected to your overall health and well-being. I reckon yeah. we can get good habits there, daily habits there. It sets up good sort of health habits the rest of your life. Um, I think you've got to make it fun. You've got to have rewards. You've got to have, you know, sticker charts and things. And when she gets five stickers, she gets to choose one of these activities. And, you know, they don't have to cost anything. The activity can be, Dad does whatever you want for five minutes. You know, right. kids love that, owning you for even five minutes. Um, okay. yeah, um, yeah, just have all sorts of different rewards, things that she'll like, and make it every time that she does it, she gets a little sticker. And because you just have to help her establish those habits. Just being told to do it when you're two is not enough. So it probably yeah. means you've got to do 99% of it the first, you know, week. So you're actually okay. brushing your teeth. Well, come on, let's go and brush our teeth and probably have your own. Have start another start, put another start. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And, um, All right. And once it's been going for two weeks, then you can sort of go in and get her started and then leave her to finish it. And, you know, you sort of scaffold away from it. But you've just got nice. to establish that habit. You have to do Brilliant. most of the work for a start. All right, Great. Nathan. Hey, look, thank you very much. We're out of time again, and there's a bunch of texts that have come through, which we'll deal with next time we talk to you. Uh, thank you very, okay. very much for your time. Nathan Wallace, our neuroscience educator, and uh, the man who knows a lot of things about the developing brain. He's good, isn't he? Here at News Talk ZB. For more from Simon Barnett and James Daniels Afternoons, listen live to News Talk ZB or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.